Hello and welcome to Impressions of America. I'm Simon, and with me as always are Toby and Vaughn. Hi guys. Hey Simon. Uh, Toby is there in spirit, although he is currently locked out of his house. So um, he he's sort of there in voice as well. Uh, yeah, definitely sort of there. So, sort of there. Okay, <laughs> we will proceed and uh, the spirit of Toby will, will join us from time to time. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we're not talking too much today because we're going to leave that to Vaughn. Um, yeah. we, we are... We are back after a three-week period uh, of, 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 well, of thought and deep reflection and of Vaughn drinking in Boston. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we were away uh, partly because because Vaughn was away. Uh, Vaughn, you went to America, and uh, that's going to be the first part of the show where you get to tell us about your, your, your travels. And then after that, we're going to talk about some of the recent political news stories and some of the shit shows that are going on in America right now. Um so, Vaughn, do you want to kick us off by just uh, telling us about your, your time about time abroad, back in the homeland, and how it was to actually be back in America for the first time in, well, was it years? Was, would that be... Yeah, 23 months, so almost two years. Wow. Okay. Uh, the floor is yours on your return to America. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I went, I went back to the States and I was in Massachusetts, as Simon said, split my time in like central Eastern Mass and Boston for two weeks and it was wonderful, um, but also kind of bizarre. There, Massachusetts is like heavily democratic. Um, all of their electoral seats went to Biden in 2020. So there's a lot of liberal spirit, let's say, and there always has been in Massachusetts. Um, but this time when I got there, one of the first things I saw at Logan was a Black Lives Matter sign and like pride flags all over Boston and in the, the suburbs and everything. Um, so that was really cool to see. I only saw one Trump flag the entire time I was there. Oh, and I landed on the 10th of September. So the next day was 9-11 and there were so many American flags, like so many. I sent you guys some pictures of some just like fuck off sized American flags <laughs> just everywhere, especially at McDonald's. It was great. It was a very patriotic display. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of strange though. Like, I tried not to check the news for a lot of the time I was there. I was still working, um, so I'm still exhausted. I got back on Wednesday and I'm just trashed because I was working like double days for the UK time zone up until noon in the US, which was 5 p.m. here. Um, and then I would go and do all of my travels and family stuff and, and everything. So I'm still tired and completely out of it as Simon and Toby can attest to. Um, but yeah, we did have some, some political conversations, some people, and it was really interesting to see people who voted for Biden talking about how this first year is going. And a lot of the time, the 
kind of final word of the conversation was, well, at least he's not Trump. And I think that that's, that's an issue that we're going to probably touch on a bit throughout the rest of this episode, at least talking about the news and current politics. Um, but yeah, it was a fascinating time. I also got wicked drunk. My accent did come back. I've been working on not having the accent anymore. Um, but it got real thick. Like anytime I'm, so as you guys know, I am uh, from Philly, but my dad's whole side of the family is from Massachusetts and Boston. So they all had really thick Boston accents. And when I was a little kid, I had a really thick Boston accent until I was about eight because my elementary school didn't know that my dad has a Boston accent and thought that I had a speech impediment. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't had a Boston accent in nearly 20 years, except for every time I go back to Massachusetts and speak to my grandfather for like five minutes. And then it just comes out full on, like, how you doing, darling, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was, that was atrocious of me, but great time overall yes you did send me some voice notes um <laughs> during your time um back in the homeland and yes your your accent had um shifted slightly um <laughs> which which was enjoyable to us too. i also got um, a tattoo while i was there of you a did. teacup and the 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 tag on the tea bag has the red Sox b in it because my best friend and I, my best friend of 16 years, um, we decided that we needed to kind of commemorate this trip and the fact that she is from Boston. We, we both have such like strong ties to Boston. Um, so we so we got Boston Tea Harbor tattoos. Um, and we were going to take pictures of us dumping tea into the harbor, but we didn't because we ran out of time. So next time. <laughs> next time. I'm I'm so glad you embraced your your Bostonian roots, though, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have a fucking Sox logo on me, like <laughs> forever. I'm gonna die with the Red Sox logo on me. I don't even watch baseball. Yeah, but it's now just, just part of you, isn't it? You know, you, you, it is. You, it truly is. Yeah. Just thinking a few years time when the rest of America completely abandoned you for your various beliefs. At least you can try and get back into the boston area based on your tattoos alone so um <laughs> yes boston will always welcome me because yeah well you can hope um <laughs> no but i'm glad you enjoyed yourself and it certainly seemed like it was uh, an enjoyable trip um seeing seeing your friends and uh, living your best boston life um mm. i hope you feel rejuvenated to come back here and talk shit about america on a podcast so. I feel absolutely exhausted, but I did go to several Boston institutions while I was there. I went to Harvard. Yes. Harvard. I went to Harvard. Um, I had lunch in Harvard Yard. That was great. Um, I went to the Barking Crab in Boston, which is an institution um, that anyone from Boston will know of. And anyone outside of it will be like, the fuck is that? But it's great. Um, I twice had cocktails on rooftops overlooking the harbor. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm bougie and classy like that. (laughs) So the question I have is when you have to defend your dissertation, 
Mm-hmm. Will you will you do it in your Bostonian accent and get really argumentative? <laughs> yes. Yeah. If they challenge me enough, I'll I'll be like, first of all, go fuck yourself. Second of all, fucking fucking tea drinker I, <laughs> over here. My my fucking dissertation knocked it out of the fucking pack right yeah. over Green Monster over onto fucking Lansdowne Street. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like how you're a different type of academic and that's why we appreciate you <laughs> okay um, <laughs> well I, I look forward to you sending us photos of, of you in your uh, in your baseball cap uh, holding your dissertation um, <laughs> yeah, maybe with more Boston tattoos by that point maybe some sort of Matt Damon, Ben Affleck jewel um, image painted on you. Just um, full on my back. Like get a, a classic fucking Celtic cross with, <laughs> with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck kissing over it. That's it's gonna be my my back centerpiece. <laughs> yeah. You turn like the fighting Irish into like the kissing Irish or something. <laughs> Can we all just get along? Isn't that the real liberal spirit? <laughs> it is, yes. Uh okay. Right. So, um, Irish homosexuality to one side, we should probably move on with the rest of our podcast. Um, although it's never truly to one side when we have Vaughn with us. Um, <laughs> uh, we are still waiting for, for Toby's essence to, to come back to us. So for now, you'll have to make do with Vaughn and myself just shouting confused words at each other, trying to make sense of the news of the past few months. Uh, it's been a little while since we've touched on politics. Um, I guess the maybe the, the first place to start is just on as you touched on we had 9-11 20th um, anniversary of that mm-hmm. and as part of that probably the big news was the Afghanistan withdrawal of the troops and um, there was probably about a week long period where we got a real news blitz off uh, news footage of, co- of choppers you know taking troops and um i think some refugees kind of out the um out the country um we saw lots of stories around um people who worked for either british or american um uh, organizations either being left there and kind of being stranded or um people kind of stepping up to, to try and help those people get out of the country you saw truly awful scenes of people literally trying to cling to airplanes in order to um, in order to try and escape the the country, and we've had some you know fallout with uh, new Taliban regime and uh, the joys that will bring. And purely from an American side, we've seen I guess quite quite a lot of backlash towards Biden in general. Um, we've seen I think some some poll numbers that have suggested that there's at least uh, mild or general support for withdrawal uh, of either um, all the troops or the majority of the troops from Afghanistan and the kind of acceptance that the Afghanistan war needed to end. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of um, anger on the Republican side, which is obviously a shock. We never expect to see anger on the Republican side, um, where (laughs) they've talked about impeachment and you know the great travesty which is joe biden which you know these two things aren't mutually exclusive but um we 
are seeing yeah the the kind of classic playing to the cameras that we we expect from the republican side um von your your thoughts just generally on the afghan draw 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the the kind of poll numbers we've seen yeah um so i will be the first to admit that i do not know the full story of afghanistan um i as many of us were i i was a child when it started and now i am a 27 year old person um now you're a 27 year old child I'm a 27 year old child and that's why they let me get Boston tattoos. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the full story of Afghanistan and it's been really hard kind of dipping in and out um, over the years, every time it kind of comes back into the public consciousness, because I think for most of my life, at least whether, whether it's due to my ignorance of not being politically aware or whether it's something kind of more sinister of the national conversation not focusing on Afghanistan. I think that it hasn't for a lot of the 20 years that we were in um, in Afghanistan. So there's been a lot of dipping in and out and a lot of miscommunication and a lot of deliberate misleading on the part of the government about what has been happening in Afghanistan, what the real story is, why we were even there. It's, it's been an absolute kind of mess from the start. Um, and I, again, I, I am the first to admit that I, I don't really understand all of it. Um, and I've tried to, and I think a lot of officials also don't understand mm. why or even how we got to this point in Afghanistan. And I really do commend Biden for pulling out because if you can't even give us a straight answer, if four presidents in a row cannot give us a straight answer as to why we were we are in this multi-trillion dollar war in someone else's country, trying to build a government for them, for people who do not want that type of co- government and never have, why are we there? Like. And yeah, I, I think the, the withdrawal maybe could have gone smoother, but I don't know that because I am not an expert in Afghanistan or an expert in military affairs. And I think I've seen a ton of amateur experts in military affairs and Afghanistan on Twitter saying what they would have done better, but yeah. I don't think any of us know the real story about what's happening in Afghanistan and what has happened for 20 years. So none of us can actually say a damn thing. And I think that it's really a great thing that we ended it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, they're, they're, I think logistically, you could always say that there could have been improvements to, to how things were, were done and how the withdrawal was, how the withdrawal went. So um, I'm, I'm certainly not giving biden a pass on that and certainly mm-hmm. i think we've seen um was it in afghanistan we we saw subsequent bombings from the um americans afterwards um maybe it was maybe it was, i'm getting mixed up with somewhere else but but i guess the point i'm trying to make is biden is certainly not without criticism on this yeah but I, th- I think the, the the general idea that 
this was a disaster and that we should america should still be having you know hundreds of thousands of troops still in the country i think is just incorrect and i think it's just mm-hmm. um playing to trying to d- defeat biden and not trying to actually have a uh, a clear idea on what foreign strategy should be yeah biden said it about the withdrawal that he's he's like suggesting two kind of lessons that we should learn going forward with um foreign affairs and one would be setting missions with clear achievable goals and staying focused on the fundamental mm. national security interests of the u.s and like Clearly, that's not what we were doing in Afghanistan. But those are two things that I think are very agreeable as goals for foreign relations. So if we weren't doing that in Afghanistan, then yes, pull out, learn from those mistakes. I, I, I just I don't know. I don't know how it received as much criticism as it did, because that's a pretty great goal that we should know what our goals are. And he said he wants to shift towards focus on China and Russia and using more military technology that doesn't put um, troops in harm's way. Yep. Which I definitely have concerns with both of those options with drone, drone strikes and sending troops anywhere. But I, I think he actually clearly articulated something for what for me has been something that I've just, I've been like, yes, the war in Afghanistan, that's a thing that's happening in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a reason it was called the kind of, was it a lifetime war? Um, Forever war. Forever war. Yeah. And it was just one of those things that just remained in the political background. Yeah. Without, as you say, a clear objective. And I think Biden's kind of communicated that. And I think what's attention on it. Yeah. Because I think what's probably important is how this will play ultimately once we we get past this initial period, which I think we're now moving away from, where mm-hmm. you have the, the the initial criticism, and I would imagine by the time we get to the um, the midterms, what's going to define whether or not the Democrats do well is not the withdrawal in Afghanistan. I, I assume those people who criticize Biden were not going to vote for Biden anyway. So it's, as always, I think the Republicans normally have an advantage in the midterm because their voters seem to turn out um, more so for a midterm election. And I think the concern for Biden would be whether or not he can do well enough to actually get people to turn out for him during a midterm um, election, kind of on the back end of the pandemic. And I would imagine the economic situation and um, other other dealings outside of, of the withdrawal will probably be bigger news by the time we get into the election cycle. And I guess I th- what I'm thinking will be the case is that I don't think there's necessarily the, the defining image around like a disastrous image for Biden as far as, you know, if a set of soldiers had been sort of set upon in a very um, sort of film, you know, cinematic type of way, which they could have really pinned a disaster on him. Um, I, I, I think, I think he's kind of, it appears as if he's maybe escaped that narrative to some degree. And I don't think, I don't think it'll be quite as long lasting as if they'd pinned 
pin something more more um, sort of image based on him. I think I I agree with you that I don't think this will be kind of a lasting Meyer thing for his either re-election or political future, whichever. Um, but the withdrawal had over 70% support from Americans. Like it was a bipartisan oh, yeah. position that people wanted to get out of Afghanistan. And I think I think lawmakers, certain voices in Congress and the media definitely elevated voices that were against Biden for it. Like he received backlash and criticism. But a lot of people were in favor of getting out. And as I said, like none of us are are experts in this. And it it didn't go that horribly. Like it could have gone way worse. People were comparing it to Saigon. And I don't think this was necessarily a Saigon situation. No. Uh, But I was talking to one of my friends who works at the MOD here, the Ministry of Defense. And he was explaining Afghanistan to me kind of in, in terms of a UK perspective. And he said that probably the biggest mistake in, in his view is that um, in Afghanistan, the, there are kind of fighting seasons for the wars because winters are very harsh. Mm. So we were withdrawing like right at the end of summer like right in the in the midst of the um kind of fighting season in afghanistan he was like that's probably the the main thing that is an issue um that 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 he could have done differently but he also couldn't be because he was tied to this by policy so you really can't fault him for the timing of that maybe you can fault him for not starting evacuations earlier or yeah um, for having kind of a streamlined p- approach to refugees and how how we were going to get refugees out and give them visas and whatever, like that was definitely a humanitarian crisis and train wreck. Yes. Of of not just saying bring the refugees here and we will deal with the paperwork on this end. Like. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think the most important thing with Afghanistan is that. And again, I'm not an expert in any of this at all, but I'm going to throw out my hot take that I think the most important thing is to remember the people who are still there and lend as much support and microphones to the women and girls that live in Afghanistan um, and make sure that we don't stop watching or helping or supporting those people who are still there and now again under Taliban control. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting moving forward that it appears that the um, Taliban government will be making China its its main kind of partner or its kind of closest ally in, um, in in its moves. And I think that will be a fascinating play to see how that plays out, which in itself is a horrible thing to, to talk about as far as, you know, what we should be saying is we should be talking about the, the women and children who are in danger rather than trying to talk about the political political international games that are going to go on but unfortunately these things do have to be considered um toby before we we finish up you have joined us um i don't know if you're still trapped outside your house or if you uh, have the warmth of the inside um do you have any 
Do you have anything to add on your Lord and Savior Joe Biden and the Afghanistan withdrawal? Uh, I'm not sure in, in in what capacity. Am I am I coming uh, clearly? Yeah, we can hear you perfectly, Toby. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Joe Biden. He's he's really he's really done 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 great things. I think. Um, I think. Yeah. I, I just just as Vaughn says, you know, I mean, I basically defer to her perspective on this. Um, a lot of the backlash is coming from uh, the Congress and the media, uh, media in particular, even even sort of people on, on on the liberal side of the media, they they supported the Iraq War, they supported the uh, the war in Afghanistan. Uh, many of them see politics. I don't think in, in domestic terms they see you know as, as extending. A liberal hand in 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 the Middle East, and not only protecting people from from from, from terrorism or Americans from terrorism, but actually, you know, like the the project of nation building in Afghanistan, I think, has has been really important to people in the media uh, over the last fifteen uh, to twenty years. Uh, it's 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 crossed both sides of the of the political spectrum, and now it's it's kind of disintegrating. So they've. They've tried to focus on the logistics, the logistical failures of the Biden administration um, in terms of preparing uh, allies, um, in terms of getting people out, the uh, sort of onboarding refugees, but also Americans who are potentially still stranded, stranded there. They've tried to focus on that, but use that to make broader points about the need to keep American soldiers in Afghanistan permanently. Many people have used the idea that actually there were less soldiers in Afghanistan than there were in sort of bases in Germany and in Japan and other countries like that, securing ge- geopolitical uh, interests. And so they've, they've really focused on that because they were really attempting to keep America and Afghanistan permanently, and then to define it not as a war but as some sort of police a- action. And I think, I think Biden, I, I think he showed great, great strength to to um, beat past that, to stop that. And um, I think that the policy overall can be viewed, I think, positively. I think the the airlift has been fantastic. It's been, you know more significant in terms of numbers than the Berlin airlift, I think. Um, but I, I am a little bit pessimistic about the prospects um, for the policy going into the midterms. I know, as Simon said, that the, at, you know, at the midterms, they're, they're going to have other issues. I think the abortion issue is going to be very important for drumming up um, yes. democratic support in, in the midterms. I don't think Republicans, Republicans really put abortion on the ballot like this, um, and, and I don't think the social conservatives get getting these kinds of uh, concessions from the Republican Party for a long time, and it's it's strange and and I think kind of kind of horrifying that they are getting it right now. But I would say that I think abortion is going to be important. Um, the the infrastructure bill, the 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 um, financial protection COVID is going to be very important I don't think Afghanistan is going to be so important but I think to the extent that it will be viewed as important I probably err on the side that Americans 
have been convinced by the media that but the Biden's handling of the, the whole situation was poor. And I don't think he's going to get the benefits from that uh, in, in the midterms. But I think for, for his legacy, his legacy with, with liberals and um, with people in his own party going forward, I think, I think, it's, I think it was a, a good thing that he did. And I think it was a strong thing that he did because he, he went up against, I mean, you know, you always say the entrenched power, the, the military industrial complex, the, the security state, he went up against the media, he went against all, all of them. He made the decision. He actually showed personality. He just wasn't, you know, um, a, a part of a system. He 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 acted, you know, based on his own judgment, and I think he made a he made a good decision. Yeah, I think that's a nice summation, Toby. Um, right, shall we move forward from this? And um, we do have several terrible topics to talk about, so I don't know which <laughs> which punch to the gut we'd like to cover first. Uh, Vaughn, do you have any ideas on, on where we should move to next? Um. What's on our list? Oh, well, no. most importantly, I think is to turn to domestic issues and look at Texas in several different lights. <laughs> and of course, and Florida. Don't forget yeah. Florida. Combination of our two favorite states. Mm. Of course, the big news, which will probably dwarf probably the, the decade to come, is the fact that Beto is right now is. Um, <laughs> The, the abortion uh, ban in Texas and what that could mean um, both on a state level and moving forward uh, for um, Roe versus Wade um, when that gets reviewed next year uh, by the Supreme Court. Um, Vaughn, you have a little bit more details than I do on what the actual kind of policy change was within Texas. Could you maybe just enlighten us a little bit on that? So the legislation in Texas essentially it it was a law that um, bans abortion after six weeks and with various stipulations and whatnot. Um, the Supreme Court could have stayed the vote or uh, stayed the deadline for it to go through, but they did not. They chose to be silent on it and allow it to go through. Um, the most heinous part of this law is that it relies on kind of vigilante neighbor watching yeah. um, that citizens can sue or turn in anyone who I think the actual language is anyone who aids in procuring an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was speculation to even like the Uber driver that would drive someone to an abortion clinic or a doctor. Um, Uber has actually come out and said like, fuck that. We are not complying with that. Like our, our drivers would have no reason to logically know where they are taking you or why. Um, but this this law is is a very kind of sinister act to control women and um, increase the number of dangerous abortions and at home abortions. 
Texas has also even banned um, abortion-inducing drugs and medication um, after seven weeks, where it used to be 10. So they're just really coming after all sorts of things and haven't really gone into the details of why women have abortions at particular times in their pregnancies. Um, if you miscarry and have to have the fetus removed, then that is technically an abortion. Um, and that's not really explained, at least as far as I had read um, in the actual text and the criticisms of the law. They, it's, it's not carefully done in any sort of way. And then of course, on the back of this, the, the question is, is Roe v. Wade still law of the land? The 1973 um, Supreme Court case that made abortion legal on a federal level, does that even still apply if the states can do whatever the fuck they want um, and pass laws like this that reward vigilantes in a way the states haven't seen since in a very different light, um, fugitive slave laws. That was a, another vigilante system of turning people in for profit based on your speculation and the assumption that you were right over the other person. Um, they're two very different things, but have very similar kind of connotations um, that that you can just turn your neighbors in for whatever you want, essentially. Yeah. With with very little evidence, also. Um, and Roe v. Wade. It was announced last week or two weeks ago that the Supreme Court will be hearing a court case on December 1st about Roe v. Wade and making a, a judgment as to whether it still holds as law of the land. Um, that is surprisingly not in relation to the Texas law, but rather to the Mississippi law from 2018 that was struck down by lower courts then. Um, which banned abortion, it, it brought the limit down to 15 weeks. So Texas is now at six weeks and Mississippi was at 15 and that went to the Supreme Court. So we don't even know what's gonna happen with Texas eventually. Hopefully, hopefully the Supreme Court makes a decision um, on this case that they'll be hearing in December that Roe v. Wade stands, but the Miss Mississippi legislators uh, or, and um, attorneys that brought this case forward specifically asked for Roe v. Wade to be overturned in bringing this case to the Supreme Court. So that's exciting news. And yeah. even more exciting is that the Supreme Court is not expected to make a decision on this case until um, or by the end of their court's term, which is June 2022, which is like five months before the midterm elections. So that's fun. Yeah, and it really does set up, um, as Toby said, what, what could be uh, perhaps the defining uh, kind of policy point 
of yeah. the midterms and just moving forward you know the, the, depending on how things shake out this could be one of the defining policy arguments of, of, of this decade to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. um just reading here that florida state senate leader wilton simpson told reporters that this ban in texas has encouraged local politicians who are already working on a similar bill and south dakota's governor christy noam said that she had directed her her office um uh unborn child advocate to make sure that the state has anti-abortion laws on the books so we are i think seeing a move by those on the right um to simply take back what they see as you know quote unquote defending the right to life mm. and i think it, it's no surprise we're, we're seeing this after um what has been a turnaround on the supreme court as far as um adding additional republican chosen um seats um and we were just vaughn and i were just talking before the show started that this potentially could push biden towards a move to um increase the number of seats um on the supreme court simply because if if the democrat party don't do everything and i mean everything within their power to defend um the right for women to have an abortion then the democratic party are basically over because if they lose women you know that that's it and quite rightly so um and of course they can only do that if they remove the filibuster from um from the floor and um, Democrats or certain Democrats have shown no appetite for that. So we could be seeing a real melee of um, kind of political incidents over the next few months and years as we see kind of what shakes out. And I, I think the we'll maybe look back on the last decade as kind of a almost a quieter point for abortion that has then eventually kind of ramped up um, once Trump came into power and once uh, McConnell was able to, do, to kind of defeat Obama's choice for the the seat um, for the Supreme Court. And um, yeah, I think we could be looking at a very nasty decade ahead for, I mean, it's no surprise to say we're looking at a nasty decade ahead for women's rights, because when are we not? I think even more so with this, uh, this abortion ban in Texas and Mississippi and other states that are, are set to follow. Um, yeah, so that's terrible and awful um, i don't know if we've got anything else to add on this topic before we before we move on yeah i think with the um the texas law as, as george will says is a little bit of a sideshow i think the idea that people that can um appoint themselves to to do this vigilante justice and investigate people is i mean it's unconstitutional really mm-hmm. it, it's not going to stand um outside of texas and, and i think it's going to be eventually overturned but the the dodds um dobbs versus jackson um mm. case is is actually a, a big big deal i think that that case actually has the potential to become law and to overturn roe v wade i think it really does um the texas law the Texas law is a little bit of a, I don't know, it's like a 
it's a tech is like a circus show almost because it's just it's so ridiculous but this this Dobbs law um i think yeah with, with uh, at 15 weeks it's 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 sometimes the first uh time the supreme court has seen a case about um pre-viability and you you do have the increase of uh, republican supreme court justices on the court yeah, I, I do. I do think that, um, yeah, that the, the implications of this could be very, very significant. Uh, and um, it, as as uh, Simon said, the the, the re- retraction of uh, women's facility rights um, is is. I think it's it's a it's it's more than a possibility now. I think yeah, we had the the episode on on the Christian rights, and I you know I was a little bit. You know, like I, I just didn't feel that they they had the power um, that people perceive that they do. I, I I don't think that you know cases like this is being uh, gone to the Supreme Court in the last thirty or forty years with with any real potency. But but now they seem to be organizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Republican Party seems to be giving them concessions, at least um, to do with abortion. And uh, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's actually quite scary uh, what's happening. And it's funny, like you think about the history of abortion um, at the beginning of, of, of America, you know, the, the, there wasn't a law like this um, either attached to the, to the rights or the constitution. It was always about um the quickening, so like whether whether women um, women had a more sort of loose ability to um, get rid of pregnancies before the quickening, and the quickening defining as the quickening really gave women a lot of leeway to decide on these kinds of things themselves. Obviously, uh, treatments and um, getting rid of a of a child in 1776 was obviously more difficult and was actually much more fatal. But the, these kinds of harsh restrictions are actually quite modern uh, in in many ways, and, uh, and I guess it, it it represents a sort of counter a counter revolution um, in against um, you know the, the the changes in the 1970s, and it, it almost seems like the 1970s period is more progressive. For, Social rights and uh, social liberties, and the the time we live in now, which is, which is uh, really really sad. But, but one of the other things is that, like, when it comes to this issue, you know, on a national level, on a national scale, abortion, you know, support for men and women hasn't really changed that much in the last thirty so years i think it probably tipped off in terms of its more its highest levels of support in the late 90s and stuff but you know i mean still it's it's a majority issue for both sexes obviously men tend to vote more republican so they're voting for more anti abortion um politicians but in terms of their perspective when it's just the, an issue itself it's you know you, you're getting 56 60 percent of men you know supporting some sort of uh abortion and he pro- probably even in the in the 40 percent you you're getting parts of that 40 percent happy with kinds of abortion especially abortion up to kind of 15 weeks it's very, it's a very small percentage of the population who believe that, that, 
there should be no abortions. And I don't, and although these um, laws are quite disappointing and portend to something actually quite awful, I just don't think that the Republicans can make this an, an issue at midterm or, or in 2024 and expect to, to, to win elections. I, I think it's bad mm. for them. Uh, and that's probably the only caveat I have against the, the, the gloom of this uh, particular topic. Uh, right. Shall we move on? We do have a, a number of topics to discuss. I don't know if, where we'd like to Keep go. Keep it in there. Texas. Keep it in Texas. <laughs> and is, is that for any particular reason, Vaughn, you want to keep this in Texas? Uh, yeah. Is, is it perchance hey. a personal hero of yours? <laughs> yes, of course. Beto O'Rourke. Beto uh, O'Rourke. Yes. Yeah. We the, love the, it. The, the hero of uh, middle-aged um, <laughs> orgasms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. If, if ever there was a man who took on the persona of like what the Kennedys would do if they were around now, um, what mm. they're, they're sort of around now, but he, he is kind of like JFK light kind of thing. Um, it's it's Beto. So much credit to Beto. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like a Riesling and JFK is like a Chardonnay. <laughs> Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for that I like that. I, like that. I was I was thank thinking you. more more of the the RFK who Toby had assassinated in the. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Gavin uh, Newsom is more RFK. Awesome. Okay, well we can touch on him later, and what what else you might want to, mm. to him. Um, so th- there is news that uh, Beto looks to be running again for. Um, governor of Texas whenever that's going to happen um, I don't think anything official has come down on it yet, I think it's just been been talked about um, Vaughn, do you have any particular reaction to this news other than just getting to talk about Beto, which you're always happy to do I do indeed, Simon um, so in in the wake of all of like COVID and um <laughs> human rights atrocities at the border and human rights rights atrocities in terms of abortion. Governor Greg Abbott actually isn't doing that poorly with overall approval rating in Texas. Everyone outside of Texas is like, the fuck? <laughs> but um, his, his approval rating hasn't shifted. A lot of people in Texas do not like him though. A lot of people. Um, and it's not fair to just paint all of Texas as like supportive of these laws or the the policies in place and um, the actions that are taking place at the border, especially, which we'll also talk about because Texas has so much news right now. Um, but the people of Texas are not necessarily represented represented at all by their politicians for myriad reasons. But one of the challengers is Beto, um, most likely he keeps saying he's like oh i haven't made a decision yet but he's absolutely positioning himself he's been posting like (laughs) selfies with his wife and being like oh 15 years babe and like lots of (laughs) lots of just like early democratic like positioning for running um there was a picture of him like outside an ice cream stand like biden like he he has modeled his entire political career off of barack obama and joe biden his entire political career, even down to how he speaks and gives speeches on picnic tables and shit. Yes. <laughs> um, but 
another challenger that may be running is the famed actor Matthew McConaughey. Well, that's the, that's the talk and who he'd actually represent if he did run. Yeah, and Beto O'Rourke threw some shade recently. Oh, wow. wow. And he was like, I, I respect him and I love his work as a celebrity and actor. And I love that he... Well, shut up, you're a celebrity. Like, held public office? Like, what? Who yeah, what's that got done? <laughs> yeah, so... Do so you not remember the, the reconnaissance that... Exactly. There? How, many that, Oscar, that, how, how many Oscars did Beto win? Ten years ago, mm. it was like... Uh, he was just bringing the renaissance of, of, of method acting back. He was, it was amazing. Yeah. Beto's never done any of that. Like. <laughs> yeah, McConaughey has, has, like, a major leg up. And also bourbon. So, like... Beta was just throwing this shade about how McConaughey has been there for, um, he stepped up for people after a 2019, I believe, uh, mass shooting in Texas and ran benefits and donations and all of these sorts of things. And he's been fairly active with other kind of charities, charity setups around Texas. And Beta was like, He's done that. That's great. But what are his actual political leanings? We don't know how he voted in the most crucial U.S. election since 1864. And I would like to know that information. And I was like, you don't get to call out Matthew McConaughey, Beto. You don't get to do that. This man was in Dallas Buyers Club. Like, come on, man. So it's the the Texas governor's race is the only thing that's making me happy right now. Um, <laughs> very interested in this and I'm really excited to see how it shakes out like like is is Matthew McConaughey gonna be another Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. is he for Texas that's intriguing and I want to know how that plays out yeah it, it's it's super super cool it's, it sounds like a really really interesting race I yes. think with Matthew McConaughey I have a, I have, I don't have any data on this, so don't, don't quote me. But I have a feeling that he's in the center. Like he, a lot of his sort of feel good, yeah, um, you know, spiel the the biography, um, biography and memoir that he just put out. It's a, it's a very kind of sort of get up and go, you know, the self help drivel type type <laughs> stuff he's not he yeah he's not he doesn't really seem like a left-leaning person mm. um you know he's, he's talked about um you know this this the the, the the extremes and both sides i i think he's kind of in the center which is fine actually you know i mean I, i'm i'm fine with with their rock running in texas because i mean texas is a majority republican state still so yeah, I'm fine with these these um, these people at the edge of the Democratic coalition. Whether it's you know McConaughey in the center or or, or Beto O'Rourke, I, I think I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. I, I you know I mean I think this 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 election sounds fascinating and and, yeah. and really interesting. I, I mean I wish I was I was working on it because it's like really <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean Greta 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 Abbott's like a scumbag. I mean mm-hmm. I mean yes. um, recently on. On abortion, I think someone asked him about, um, you know, young girls being raped, and he said that um, 
I think he said something like, uh, like we'll put rapists in prison. And they just, and then it was like, what? Yeah. And they just said that. And that's yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's just, he's like evil. And I'm happy, I'm happy with, you know, people like Beto or, or Matthew McConaughey challenging him, who, you know, people who I don't think necessarily share my politics, but people that I'm, I'd be very happy to go against, you know, politicians that I think are pure evil. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah. uh, I think it's great. Agreed, which also means that maybe McConaughey is like a sexier Ross Perot, which was <gasps> very. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I yeah. love that thought. I'm so. Yeah, good. like we, we do live in a time. I mean, Oppressions in America is a perfect place to kind of talk about these kinds of things. But, you know, like there's a. You know, like politicians are celebrities, right? Obama's a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Base Rourke, you know, to some extent, is a celebrity. And Ronald Reagan was a Hollywood actor, but he was kind of someone who cared a lot about politics and became a politician and studied. And even even before he became a governor, he was, you know, working on campaigns and, um, you know, doing propaganda and things like that. And then you have these characters like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who are just celebrities who become politicians. Like part of the skill of being a politician is being a celebrity and, and uh, entertaining. But then there's people in the middle, like Reagan. There's people kind of on the right of this, like Obama, who is sort of celebrity. And then there's this like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, who was the guy in Minnesota? Um, oh, right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So it's like wrestlers, yes. former actors, people who, who acted on Predator. I think of the movie Predator. Um, two governors? Yeah. A Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura, yeah. Jesse Ventura, exactly. Jesse Ventura, yeah. And, and Jesse Ventura, since his uh, political career, has just spent time uh, making conspiracy theories, <laughs> uh, you know, documentaries about, you know, like the deep state and do you know the, the ufos and stuff like that it's yeah it's, it's, it's super interesting like you you sort of have these three kinds of politicians right now i mean the the kind of hillary clinton politician you know i went to yale i, I studied really hard uh, I, I i became a senator after you know working with politicians for you know 20 years of my life that that kind of thing is you know i mean i, I that kind of thing is always going to be there at the level of, you know, the, 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 the Senate in particular states or even the Senate itself. But uh, on the national level, you, you're kind of getting more and more of these people who are just celebrities becoming politicians, not even celebrities who have this deep interest in politics, and, and which is clear like Reagan, but just celebrities. And you know, that, that's really, I think it's really interesting now. We are even interesting. And then the greatest example of this, of all time is obviously Donald Trump himself, who was not a politician in, in, in any way at all. And maybe is, is more in the mold of Reagan because Donald Trump, you know, he 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 did campaign for the Republican Party. He he campaigned for uh, third parties and ran for third parties but in the past, but but had never held public public office that became the, the president of the United States. So yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting part of the American experience 
and it uh, and obviously it happens in in other parts of the world with comedians becoming leaders of countries and stuff like that. But yeah, it's 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 a really interesting, really interesting time. It is, and that kind of leads us nicely onto another governor race in another state, um, which was California, where we had a recall election by the Republicans against Governor Governor Newsom, and. Um, yeah, he survived. He more than survived. Look, looking at the poll numbers, I think he got about sixty-two percent, um, which I think was actually larger than his um, winning percentage when he actually ran for governor originally. And um, I think that the way it's sort of been um, presented in the media that it was less of a kind of confirmation of of Newsom as as governor and more just a rebuke of. Uh, Larry Elder and the Republican Party and the recall itself. Um, do either of uh, well, I was going to say, do either of you have strong opinions on <laughs> uh, Gavin Newsom? Gavin Newsom, um, Vaughn, I know you do have some strong views on um, Gavin Newsom, which some of them might be fit for broadcast and some might not be. Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to do you want to share your thoughts on the the on the recall? I mean, he's a babe right like he's a total babe that guy's a smoke show um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, adjectives. he's a bit plasticky for me but i can i can see the appeal when he was talking about how um in his in his speech afterwards where the this recall was just like 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 every election that has given me like stress and gray hair and like ulcers in the last six years this election was just erased all of that because within 45 minutes of polls closing they were like yeah "Yeah, no he won like (laughs) they just gave up at at a certain point I think after 12 minutes after polls closed they started calling it and then 45 minutes they were just like yeah he won because he he the the no vote was such a margin over um the yeses that it wouldn't even matter if they kept counting. Um, but ultimately they did, and he won 62.2%. Which led to some great conspiracy theories on Twitter about how can they start calling this election with like 3% returned and all this kind of stuff. And it was, here we go again. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was people, a were like, people were like, oh, the mail-in ballots. The mail-in <laughs> ballots coming. It's so dumb. Uh, it's it so dumb. Like, I, There's a video actually of Dave Rubin like uh, pushing Larry Elder and it takes you from like uh, a month ago to today, and like Dave Rubin, he's all, he's on the stump on the campaign trail talking about oh something's happening, something's happening in the culture. Like they know that uh, Gavin Newsom's uh, messed up on COVID, and you know people want school choice, people want Larry Elder, just just so happy and optimistic and just delusional, yeah. and it just takes you through him just getting more and more into it and then the election night and he's just he's just shattered and he's, and he's like <laughs> just you know just the, the results come in and he's just he's just unhappy shattered and then he's talking about leaving california which is you know i mean i, I don't care if they leave california uh, ben shapiro has talked about uh leaving california before going to florida where yep. he thinks no one talks about politics um, but yeah, I, I think the thing about uh, Larry Elder is he, he, you know, he's a well-known uh, political personality. 
he just goes on to talk about um, you know to, to to do shucking driving for the Republican Party on on um, you know crime statistics and 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 things things of that nature and school choice you know he's so, so he's a known you know sort of uh, Republican talk show host and uh, you know black booster of the Republican Party and and and, and I, I guess he he thought that Gavin Newsom was um, potentially weak. I think the the whole reason that the Gavin Newsom the people thought Gavin Newsom might be recalled was that he was at um, like what one of the most expensive restaurants in the world. Without his mask um, during the height of COVID, which you know, obviously people didn't didn't like, while he was obviously telling people to stay indoors. Hmm. But I mean, the, the the fundamentals in California are the fundamentals in California. It's just it's not a purple state. I mean, you're not going to get a Republican, you know, major Republican uh, governor in that state. The Larry Elder campaign was always a pipe dream always some sort of uh, fantasy and uh, you know I'm, I'm happy that it was roundly roundly rejected what i like most about gavin newsom is he looks like a tv president like you could imagine him being like president on like 24 or one of those shows because he just yeah. has that he has that kind of like he's like a good-looking politician, but not like ridiculously good-looking. But at the same time, he's kind of got like that. <laughs> okay, maybe he is the ball. He kind of looks like like Mitt Romney's cousin or something, yeah. you know, which would make sense. That makes for sense. Vol- that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it, he's definitely a central casting. Uh, mm. Yes. It's yeah. like it's not quite like Hollywood George Clooney kind of like proper A-list, but yeah, he it's can, not he, Harrison Ford. Yes, exactly. You know, he's not Harrison Ford, but he could he could definitely get uh, he could definitely be the president on on twenty four. Um, is there anything else we'd like to, uh, to touch on this, or shall we move on to something else? If we want, we can continue the the theme of uh, governors in um, colorful states uh, by just briefly touching upon the the attacks on DeSantis and um, how things are going in Florida, which are usually the answer to that question is usually bad. Um, the the numbers in Florida to do with COVID deaths um, are not good, and this sort of general, I think, um, viewpoint out with uh, Florida is that uh, DeSantis is um, kind of putting human life in danger constantly with his policies, and we've seen, you know, it is an echo chamber, but we, we have seen on Twitter a, a lot of attack videos from Democrats against santos i think i'm you know i don't live in florida i don't have any connection to florida it, it, it seems to me like this is a classic case of santos is probably it seems like he's popular enough to keep winning in florida um he seems to have his supporters i think what what's more interesting is looking at this from what DeSantis does next and the talks of him being a presidential candidate and we'll we'll touch on Trump possibly running in twenty twenty four, but whether it's twenty twenty four or or a future um, future election, I think DeSantis seems to me like one of those classic candidates who could win a primary but not win nationally, and I, I don't I get the feeling that he would suffer for his political views 
uh, and his just sort of general lack of quality as a human um, outside of Florida, where maybe some of those things don't matter as much. Um, does anyone have any viewpoints on DeSantis? Uh, Toby, I know you're a huge fan of him personally. Uh, Ron DeSantis? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. He's, just, he's, he's, he's a very, like, um, he's just like an own the libs character. Yes, yes. Like, we, we, we were more interested in Josh Hawley before, you know. Before <laughs> 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 but, but again, like, the politicians like that don't poll that actually that well in the Republican Party. Ron DeSantis is, uh, as many people think, is the heir apparent, really. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think his his uh, COVID policies are, are obviously an attempt to shore up the the base in Florida and uh, in the in the in the wider community. He he was given rapturous um, applause and love at CPAC. So yeah, he does seem to be the the, the next up. Um, or, but we don't know. Interesting thing about the Republican Party, though, is I think like they they seem to be more prone to the extremes of the past. Well, obviously, like Trump was president, but like mm-hmm. there's there, I don't know, like I don't. Uh, we've seen from the elections with uh, Bernie Sanders that the the Democrats can call upon fifty five percent of the party to vote for a moderate candidate, right? But with with DeSantis and with people like that, that there there are people within the Republican Party who don't want Ron DeSantis to be the primary candidate. You know, even people leading the party, you know, um, even like McConnell and people like that, they don't want DeSantis to be the candidate. But they can't stop it. Yeah, there, there's no like you know the, the whole the whole thing used to be about the party decides, the party decides, uh, and then that got they got they come up. Became unstuck because of the the election of Trump, but in two thousand and twenty, um, the Democratic Party decided they decided on their candidate. They 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 came. They saw all the balkanized options, and they all gather around Biden because of the strength of Bernie, and, and they managed to get Biden off over the line. It just can't. It doesn't happen in the Republican Party because this people are so seduced by this own the libs thing. Which which DeSantis does the best of any uh, Republican candidate right now, and I, obviously he's going to continue to be quite strong um, in, in Florida. But I, I I completely agree with you, um, Simon. I, I I just he can't he can't win a general election. He can't win. I, I, obviously he's counting on the COVID issue and his grave failings to COVID to not be so. You know, in the press in mm-hmm. 2024, mm-hmm. but they are going to be. I mean, the, the, they're going to run campaigns about it, about the census's failure, and he's just not going. I don't think he's electable on on the. Uh, obviously, you know, I mean, people saying this, people aren't electable in American elections is, you know, yes, is but... a source for, for for foreboding. But now, nah, the census isn't going to be present. You can you can you know record that. And yes, come we'll back to me. When the Santos fires his nukes into California, yeah, um, <laughs> it did actually make me think. To your your interesting point there about, and you're quite right that the Democratic Party came together for Biden, and um, to defeat the you know 
more extreme quote-unquote um candidate whereas republicans didn't but if republicans did do that in 2016 and sort of gathered together behind a more established like central figure we would have got jeb in 2016 as the candidate instead of trump and that would have just been a beautiful sight to see jeb versus hillary in the battle of the uh <laughs> the uh yeah. ne- next remember, remember they, they had to scramble from candidate to candidate and so just to get closer and closer to closer to Trump. So by mm-hmm. the end, they had uh, Ted Cruz, yeah. who had held the <laughs> whole of Congress hostage in 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 a, in a, 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 a government funding thing for, for for like months, and who was hated by almost all the leadership yeah. of the Republican Party. <laughs> they just couldn't. They couldn't do anything. They, they couldn't did. stop Trump, and they, and even selling themselves. To do it just didn't work yeah. and i don't think they're going to be able to stop whoever the the swamp um you know, yes it is, it is draw, like, draw, draws up in it's like this, like, well even if it's the loch ness monster he's, he's probably gonna win like well yeah like, there's well, nothing he, they could do well as a fellow scott i would definitely endorse the loch ness monster even more so <laughs> even more so if he went republican um yes so we are we are looking at a, a possible DeSantis run in 2024 and um, you briefly mentioned Ted Cruz which is always funny because he's the most famous cuck in modern politics Uh, so (laughs) I always appreciate his appearance on this show and his former relationship with Vaughn um, which we don't need to go into in in further detail Uh, (laughs) uh, Vaughn do you have any thoughts on DeSantis and do you fancy him as well? Um, I absolutely don't, but thank you for asking me that. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would have I, been a weird term. That would have been, yeah. From the scientists. <laughs> well, he is a Republican doing... man, so. Such a bitch. Since we're doing the news, um, did you guys see that Jeb Bush locked his keys in his car at a CVS? Oh. Going and use the phone. <laughs> Poor, poor low energy Jeb, man. I feel, I feel bad for him. He got tired and accidentally locked his key. Uh, yeah, poor Jeb. Not no, now. It is. Obviously, like his his son is um chilling for Trump, which is yeah. Just love hilarious. to see it. Uh, you like yeah, you love to see it. It's terrible. How the, it's terrible. How the Bush dynasty has fallen. My I God. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And it's just so funny how Trump was able to nail so many people with different like nicknames and the low energy <laughs> jab one just just stuck completely wonderful yeah uh, hw bush used to literally fall from fighter planes into yes. the sea now now they just <laughs> they can't even open the, the, the cars yeah. <laughs> uh that's a perfect analogy for jeb um sorry vaughn you, you were saying about DeSantis. um i think you guys covered everything really the um, the only thing that I would say is that it's a really good point that I don't I don't know if he could win on a national scale. Um, his polling at the moment is at, he's in the lead in a question based around who who would you vote for president if Trump wasn't on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the lead at 22 percent, which is seven points ahead of Pence. So I don't think that's really fair competition that Pence is even on yeah. the ballot. So I don't know if any of these polls are even useful in any sort of way um, at the moment. I'm honestly yeah. surprised Pence is polling at all. I thought he'd be the first I'm surprised, yeah. Get negative 
numbers on a poll because all the liberals would vote against him, the mm-hmm. central people would vote against him, and those on the right now want to hang him um, from uh, as part of a, a Trump um, sort of takeover of Washington. So I I, I don't yeah. I don't understand how Pence has any political career moving forward at all. Yeah, um, I don't either. That'll be really interesting to see if he if he just kind of falls by the wayside and we forget about him. Yes. Um, Unless he says, you know, he regrets the the brave moment that he made, and now he now he knows that it was uh, <laughs> it was stolen. It was a stolen mm-hmm. election. Of course, I, mean, it does, I was gonna say it does set up the idea if if Trump does run again, which we can touch on, we can move on to now as far as the, the various Trump stories, who Trump would pick as a candidate, and whether the Republican Party would want someone who's a bit more boring, like they did when they they sort of lumbered him with um with our boy there or whether or not they're going to go full crazy and they're just like right you can have DeSantis as your vice president or oh something God. or um you know whoever which would be just fascinating if because that was some of the talk that if Trump did uh win 2020 he was going to go like further right and further into his own ideas and kind of be less shackled than he was in, in mm-hmm. his first term which is just a fascinating thought so uh VP Margie Taylor, Taylor Green yes oh jesus that would be something oh dear god oh my god and just think of the education secretary he'd bring around this time uh, which would bring tears to to von's eyes um (laughs) so oh i feel ill don't do that (laughs) so trump has talked about um running again in 2024 which um, is no surprise and he i think he had a quote the other day that said the only thing that would stop him from running is it some sort of medical emergency or some medical note um, from a doctor, um, which we know, uh, yeah, it might be bone spurs. Um, <laughs> so we we had talked about this previously that Trump, at the very least, would talk about running in twenty twenty four in order for him to have campaign rallies, which he's just been having, and um, in order to raise money because he needs that. There is a. I'm personally of the opinion that he won't actually run in 2024. And I think he is using this as a platform to make money and to, to speak to people because he doesn't have Twitter anymore. But do either of you guys have any different viewpoints just on, on generally the, the, the 2024 path for Trump? Uh, I would say if, if Trump wants to run again, he'll be the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah uh, as, as Simon said, the physical and maybe fatigue, personal fatigue, might might stop him doing that. But if he if he put presses the button, he's he's, he's the mm. nominee. I think he is. Yeah, and the Republican Party is owned by Trump at this point. So if he does make that choice, then he is. Well, to some people in the Republican Party, he's already the president. Um, I mean, come on, like he still has like. A ninety percent approval rating with Republicans. I mean, mm-hmm. Who who had that? No one's had that. You know, all the, all of these presidents, like Reagan, even Reagan wasn't wasn't doing those numbers. I mean, it's just like, what can anyone do, really? Agreed. Um, so this kind of sets us up um, for just talking about some other stories around Trump. I think one of the funnier ones was that he um, endorsed Stacey Abrams for governor. Um, just the other day because of how much he, he dislikes the, the current governor because um, I assume because of his failure to back Trump properly and the um, the stories around whether or not the election was stolen 
Mm-hmm. Um, does this make Trump sort of one of the leading liberals in the in the country now? The fact he is endorsing um, Stacey Abrams so um, so overtly. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's he's a liberal icon, isn't he? <laughs> that like Democrats want Trump, right? Yes. They want like if the Democrats could have a Trump of oh. their own, they like they would fucking love it. They were hoping Biden would be, but he's too like, come on, Jack, you know, he's not he's not like yeah. shouting he's that agreeing. everybody's no, that's I'm not gonna quote Trump at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I could say that would sound okay. No, best best out of my voice. Um but yeah, I think I think Democrats definitely want a Trump and even like a Republican Trump to be their front runner, but the Democrats just don't have one. So yeah, yeah Trump is a liberal icon for supporting Stacey Abrams. <laughs> and we also had the other story of him, I think, going after his niece for yeah. the Do you have any more details on on, on that one? Yeah, he's suing Mary Trump, um, whom we talked about last year after her book came out about Trump uh, and the Trump family. Um, He's suing her because in that book and for the New York Times article from several years ago and the subsequent articles that came from it, um, she accessed documents from a court case when Trump had sued her before um, or she sued Trump. There was there was another lawsuit within the family after um, Trump's father passed away and the will was being decided. Um, and she had access to all of these personal financial documents of the family and specifically from Donald Trump. So she accessed them for the New York Times and in them were Trump's tax documents were some of Trump's tax documents Um, and from them is the was the news that he only paid $750 in taxes like the New York Times broke that um, they they broke that he lost like a billion dollars in a decade or something and that all of his tax schemes were very sketchy in the 80s and 90s so there was like they were like a treasure trove and that article from the New York Times is like prize winning and very good very detailed extremely long I think it's as long as one of my master's theses actually (laughs) um and he's he is now suing her and the three journalists from the New York Times for publishing those documents and the interesting thing about that is that previously he had said it was all fake news and that they weren't his tax documents. And he, of course, paid his taxes for decades. But in order to sue her, he had to admit that they were authentic documents <laughs> and that he hasn't been paying his taxes for decades. And he admitted this like a week or two ago. And look, people haven't heard that yet. So I think we should probably talk about that a little bit. I think everybody should probably acknowledge like, oh, that thing that has been a problem since before his campaign started in 2015, that people were like, release your taxes because every president in the last 40 years has done so. And he said, oh, they're under audit. 
and then he's been like batting defenses um for years about his taxes and he just openly admitted to a court that yeah it was all bullshit he was lying the whole time and that he hasn't paid taxes so that's interesting and i think that leads back to what you were saying originally simon that yeah i think he's only saying he's going to run in 2024 for the money because he's just throwing out lawsuits at anyone he can to get a quick settlement and he also has nine suits against him um both in civil and uh criminal courts yeah he has nine active lawsuits yeah Um, and also just admitted that his taxes that he hasn't paid taxes so maybe we might see some sort of um some sort of recompense for Trump in terms of civil and criminal kind of yeah. convictions, possibly in the same way that they got Al Capone for tax evasion. I'm but. kind of, I'm kind of, sorry to cut you off, I'm kind of at the point now where unless they are actually going to find something that they can jail him for and he is like literally put in a jail, I don't think any of these stories matter at all for him politically. I think, and I think... Oh, it, yeah. I think it just further proves the any idea which you know you may not agree with, but I think I personally think it just proves the narrative of the great man uh, theory throughout history is is completely true because I mean Trump is now the greatest man in the history of the universe, and he can just do anything he wants, and no one gives a shit. Like he has multiple stories per week, and one of those would take down any other president or any other presidential yeah. candidate, and Trump just Trump just like that's fake news and just moves on and everyone just goes oh that's kind of bad and then we just kind of move on to the next one like it just happened all the time when he was president and it's going to continue so un- unless they can put him in jail or you know he has too many big Macs and he dies i, I g- generally don't know what anyone can do politically to defeat him I, I, I just don't i don't see any story coming out i think the only one i can really remember that seemed to have lasting damage for kind of a short amount of time was the the leaked audio prior to the election with the whole grab the pussy kind of stuff that that did seem to legitimately kind of hit him and he did have to like sort of sort of apologize but even then he was able to kind of move on from it but everything else he's just been able to deny and get on with his life and there'll be another story next week that you know he's you know hangs out with kim jong-un and they you know going bouncy castles together and everyone will just be like oh that's cool so i i, I generally outside of him getting arrested or killed i just don't think there's any story which have any political impact on, on trump um i think that's a fair point i think he's like socially indestructible almost mm-hmm. like that he's crossed so many lines that people are like okay lines don't matter for him because yeah. how how can you draw a line you know? Yep. You can't decide which one means the most now. After all of it, you can't just be like, this is the line. So it's going to have to be something like Al Capone with mm-hmm. like tax evasion, that this is like clear cut, clear cut in the law. It is not a social question at all. It's just, this is what he did. And the, this is the, the hard and fast evidence of it done. Yeah. If anything's going to bring him down. And I think what probably the bigger question for me is af- after Trump 
do we go back to these social norms and political norms where you cross a line or you come close to a line and it's a big story? Because I think we see for certainly liberal politicians, these things certainly do bring them down. But, you know, if a DeSantis or someone else like him follows the Trump playbook, are they able to be successful in that way as far as just being able to knock back all these stories and all these allegations? And for me, that it's the kind of longer lasting um, change if that does come about, that will be the the kind of the big thing to come from it. Because I think Trump is kind of invulnerable, as we've been saying. And it's just whether or not we go back to these norms after Trump or whether or not we have kind of, we've kind of crossed the Rubicon, as it were, and we're, we're not going back. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else we'd like to touch on here? Or we can we can move on slightly with the, the recount in Arizona which um, now means that Joe Biden has won that state yet again. Um, I think in the end, the recount of the Arizona, Arizona vote basically gave, uh, not only confirmed Joe Biden as the victor, but actually increased his margin of, of victory in, in that state. Um, I think this is something we're going to see more of moving forward is other states doing recounts. And already Trump has come out and Trump supporters have come out and talked about how they found thousands of like duplicate like voting cards or something like that, and that this was a great victory and that the fraud was even more widespread. And of course, you know, that wasn't the case, but they seem to be pushing this narrative anyway. Um, do either of you guys have any thoughts on on either the Arizona recall or what we're gonna see moving forward with these other states? Um, well, first of all, you didn't you didn't acknowledge that the firm doing the recount is partisan. They are Republican and also called the cyber ninjas. Yes. which is So I think we need to acknowledge that. The, the cyber ninjas. <laughs> perfectly the Republican perfect. cyber ninjas <laughs> who had to pause their recount because they all got COVID at one point. Um, they turned out that Trump had 271 or 261 rather fewer votes yep. um, than the actual election tally and that joe biden had 99 more so there was a margin of victory of 370 um or a margin of error rather but still victory the only other thing that i'm just so i'm so tired of these goddamn recounts and i'm sure everybody is which is like republicans are so concerned about democrats spending money like so concerned constantly of like where is this dollar going? It's going to like feed a family, fuck that kind of thing. But they're like, let's do another recount and do it by hand this time. Let's take several months to pay contractors to count ballots for an election that we know we lost just to keep this like bullshit going of well, it was stolen from us to try and convince people and keep them kind of biting towards this carrot until 2022 so they can do it all again and say, look, we lost again because it's still rigged. And it's just like, at what point do people kind of wake up and go, okay, maybe there was no fraud or maybe there was no significant fraud. Like maybe they'll still believe that there was a bit, but Biden won the election. Why are we wasting so much money on this? 
Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. And the recall in California cost Republicans nearly 300,000, 300 million, rather, $300 million for the campaign of Larry Elder. Why are we spending this money when we are in a pandemic or we're in like a financial recession at the moment? There's food shortages all over the U.S. at the moment. It's just like, what are we doing? I know. And the fact that we're having, we're going to have a a weekend in Texas where Trump won by more than 600,000 anyway is fucking ridiculous. It is absolutely crazy town, but but that's that that is the kind of fodder that they need for 2020 or 2022. Um, like for the the Senate races, for the governor's race, eventually they need people to believe that there is fraud because they know they're going to lose some of that margin. They might still win. I mean, Texas flipping to blue is not necessarily reality at the moment. But it did come kind of close on election night. Like we were on the edge of our seat with it. And they're terrified that that margin is going to shrink even more. Yeah. And And they have to foster this kind of belief. I'm sorry, Simon, go ahead. No, sorry, I was going to say you're absolutely correct. The only thing I would add is that it also just continues to push the narrative that they need voter reform and they need voter ID and all, all this kind of thing in order to protect these elections. And we will continue to see this with the, the this idea that we can't allow 2020 to happen again. And, um, you know, we are recounting votes for an election which happened in 2020 where Trump already won that state. So, I mean, I assume what they're trying to do is try and prove that there was some, some fraud by Democrats in that state and that will then trigger other events. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine this is a play towards um, the voter suppression, um, which we've we've seen the the various states kind of move towards after after the last election, and it is you know it is an acceptance by the Republicans that they they can't moving forward they're going to struggle even further as the sort of demographics of the country changes. Um, Republicans need more and more help in order to 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 stand a chance of winning elections and. Uh, you know, if if they can't win Texas, they can't win the mm-hmm. they can't win the presidency. So um, this is probably bigger than whether or not they can somehow re- you know they can't re- um, sort of win the twenty twenty election again, but they they can ensure there's greater voter suppression moving forward. Um, right. Well, that was nice and depressing. Um, we've reached about an hour and a half on the show. Is there anything else we'd like to touch upon before we we finish up? Any other stories that we'd like to to go through? Um, not necessarily. I mean, there are a few other things that we could definitely talk about. Is there anything in particular you have any interest on, or we just kind of lost the will to live at this point after talking about politics for an hour and a half? Is there anything positive we can talk about? Yeah, because the, the stories I have left are um, giving billions of dollars to uh, Israel and the liberal vote to not actually vote against that. And then um, the uh, liberals coming out against horses being used to um, take on the Haitian re- refugees and the Democrats have come out strongly against horses, oh um, which is the perfect liberal metaphor. Um, so, I mean, we, we could talk about those things, but it's, it's, 
it, it's just more kind of yep there's the liberals doing doing things again how successful they are oh wonderful um yeah there is i'm gonna google good news us okay. see if anything comes up you do that and uh while you're doing that toby i take it you're still on the line oh yeah absolutely okay well while i'm, uh, I'm bracing for this with this okay. good news okay while we wait for good news um oh my god oh do you have do you have some good news I don't, but the top result, the absolute top result from USA Today, when I Google Good News USA Today, um, is some say the COVID-19 vaccine is the mark of the beast. Is there a connection to the Bible? Yeah, so there is... That might be, might be good news, yeah. <laughs> exactly, that might be good news. There is a conspiracy... You guys probably don't follow basketball quite as closely as I do, but th- there's a player called Kyrie Irving who plays... <laughs> the new york net uh, uh new the brooklyn nets sorry and um he's had some controversial opinions over the years but he's now sort of speaking out against the vaccine and um he's been liking um posts on instagram linking the sort of vaccine rollout to i think it was black people being like enslaved by the devil or something like that um so yeah the, the Basically, in the NBA, there have been uh, sort of mandates that people working in the arenas, I think it is, and the referees need to be vaccinated. But there's basically not the same um, mandate for the players themselves. So, and the, the players union, I don't think, has any appetite to actually make that make that uh, kind of official policy. So instead, what you've got is you've got situations where individual cities are saying that in order for players to play uh, their home games in these arenas, they will need to be vaccinated. And you have certain players who aren't going to do that. And potentially they would be forfeiting millions of dollars because they don't want to get vaccinated, which is just an amazing uh, thing in itself. So we will see how this actually develops. The NBA season is uh, a few weeks away. Um, And we will see whether or not people in certain states and certain cities such as uh, New York and San Francisco will actually um, yeah, forfeit millions of dollars because they don't want to get a vaccine and therefore they can't play in their home stadiums uh, or their home arenas. So um, yeah, I'm not sure that's good news, but it's another co- sort of one to add to crazy town, which is um, kind of all the rage in American news at the moment. Uh, Vaughn, did you make any progress with finding us some good news? Genuinely, I went through five pages and there was no good news. One of the headlines actually was a quote from a Biden staffer that said, there's no good news. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fun. But yesterday, the 25th of September, was Mark Hamill's 70th birthday. So happy birthday, Luke Skywalker. We, that's happy, isn't it? Yeah, that is good news. I yeah, mean, we love Mark Hamill. We do. Not just Luke Skywalker, also the Joker. Yes, in the animated series. Everything else that nerds watch. Yes. We love Mark Hamill. So yeah, happy Um, birthday. Well, before we close this out, then is there anything you would like to add? Um is I mean we may be doing another Star Wars um episode for for next Mm. year. So I don't want to kind of take away too much material on that, but have you got five minutes on Bad Batch and uh, what what your your thoughts are on the art to give us some positivity before we we end the show? Oh yes, 
yes. Okay, let me think for a sec. Um, I loved Bad Batch. It finished over the summer. Um, so what, what was the story encompassing? So for people like myself who haven't watched it but know the Star Wars universe, what sort of time period are we covering and what kind of things kind of got covered on the show? Right. So Bad Batch picks up um, immediately with Order 66, um, which would be the end of Revenge of the Sith and also the end of Clone Wars. Okay. Um, and then goes a bit forward with... Um, exploring the foundations and like world building of a galactic empire and how that looks kind of on the ground because we've had that gap between um revenge of the sith being episode three and episode four a new hope for a very long time we had solo in there and also um rogue one yes but they didn't really focus too too much on the empire building so it was really interesting from that kind of political perspective to to see that um it was very much a fun narrative for a lot of it um about this this group of kind of um i almost said unnatural clones but they they're all unnatural because they're clones so (laughs) um altered clones um with kind of various powers that they were they were experimented on um, to see if they could heighten certain skills or traits in these clones. So one is like Rambo, uh, one is a sharpshooter, one's a tech wizard kind of thing, all of that sort of stuff. And they adopt a young clone, um, Omega. She's wonderful. And they just kind of, they're like hiding out from the rest of the clones because in Order 66, the clones were, um, they, they mutinied against, well, they're forced to mutiny against the rebel or the um, Republic and the Jedi. So these clones didn't have that reaction because they were altered and they're kind of hiding out from the Empire and the, the clones who become stormtroopers and all of that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really brilliant. We'll, we'll definitely cover it. I'm saying definitely because I'm speaking that into existence in a future episode <laughs> on Star Wars. <laughs> um, good. Yeah. And, we'll, we'll definitely yeah. cover it in more detail, but, um, I'm glad if that you, you haven't seen it, it. You should watch it. Cool. And, uh, final word, cause it's nice to give you something positive to talk about. Are you looking forward to the return of Hugh McGregor? in the star wars universe oh my god yes what what kind of question is that like i would ever say no to that well i'm I just love setting you, you up to talk I love about him. just I, want I you to talk about that thing <laughs> that thing yes so, so I, I, are you looking forward to the next puppy you're going to see <laughs> <laughs> no I hate puppies now. No, of course I'm looking forward to <laughs> Ewan McGregor. And I'm also looking forward to Hayden Christensen because he deserves all of our love, okay? Yes. On beautiful exotic Tatooine. It, we, we deserve this and I'm excited for it. So and that- also possibly, possibly, maybe the return of Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. Wow. Yeah, he's said no. He's said that Disney hasn't approached him, but yeah. I disagree because I'm a foolhardy leftist and I have optimism for some reason. So hopefully Liam Neeson joins Hayden and 
Ewan McGregor. And as we, as we established in our Christmas episodes, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, famous LGTB uh, icon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if you've not listened to um, our Christmas episodes, but you would like to hear um, uh, interesting Christmas tale that we concocted with um, some, some various characters throughout fiction, um, we, we established that Qui-Gon Jinn might be in a relationship with, was it... Um, Han Solo was it? Was that I think it, was Han Solo. I think it was Han Solo. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Why? Don't you remember Toby? Remember we had to come up with um. A banger of an episode. Oh, you know. Oh, you <laughs> Yeah, well, they went to Hoville, oh, okay. I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, um, as well as the FBI listening to this, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully we have Disney listening to this as well, and they can make that happen. I'd be like, what? Jason Jim, like fifty years older than Solo. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, they had to go through a time portal to get there together. Know. We didn't talk about the FBI. We didn't, no. Um, Skip that part. Well, we can finish on on your favorite topic if you like, Vaughn. Um, <laughs> so you you returned to America and you were actually allowed to leave. Um, yeah. So, so, right. so on you go. Yeah. So for for our dedicated listeners who listened to our last episode on Chicago on film, I mentioned very briefly that the FBI are the largest domestic terrorist organization in the U.S. and always have been. And then right after we recorded, Simon helpfully made the joke like, haha, aren't you supposed to be flying to the U.S. this week? And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't call out the FBI. And then later in the week for other work in my other life, I gave a talk about um, anti-cosmopolitanism and anti-capitalism um, and how the, their corrupt goals that we shouldn't work towards. Um, and then I got on a plane towards the U.S. And I got stopped at customs and held and interrogated <laughs> at, at customs um, to enter the U.S. So that was fun. And I was really afraid that I wouldn't be allowed back out of the U.S. But I was. And now I'm back in the U.K. Um, so we can we can do more episodes of Impressions of America for you. Great. And we were so close to getting one of us jailed and <laughs> I had my money on Toby. So um I've I'm I also had my money on Toby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Free, free free Vaughn. Vaughn free would have Vaughn. been on <laughs> she would have been uh podcasting from jail calls. That would have been awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, that would have been cool actually. Prison prison tapes. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like Max V or something. Yeah, we can still make that happen. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see what the next episode brings. Um, right, we should probably end it there uh, yeah. before Vaughn is dragged away by the FBI. Um, well, that was in, sort of enjoyable in the sense that it was nice to talk to you both again, but also yeah. kind of depressing because we had to look at the news and that's kind of not a good thing. Um, but I'm glad that Vaughn at least got to talk about Star Wars, so that's something. Yeah, there you go. See, I'm not always horrible to you. Um, right. We will have another episode for you in the near future, and it will probably have less to do with Ron Santos, so that's good. Um, yeah, until then, take care and thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.